0: Welcome to the PhD Addicted to Research podcast. My name is Ayan Ahmed. I am a third year PhD student at the University of Surrey. My research looks at the neurobehavioral and biological processes of CHAT, a plant-based drug that's chewed for its psychostimulant effects. Joining me today is my SSA peer, Chloe.
1: Thank you, Ayan. Yes, so I'm a first year PhD student at the University of Bath and my research focuses on Uh, kind of overlap and links between cannabis tobacco and later risk of poorer mental health thank you for having me
0: thank you so today's podcast is about codependency and to help us navigate somewhat through this topic we are excited to have a special guest on our phd podcast dr ingrid bacon thank you for joining us dr bacon
2: It's lovely to be here. Thank you for having me. I am a mental health occupational therapist and a senior lecturer in mental health at Kingston and St George's University of London and my area of interest is codependency.
1: Amazing, that's quite a combination of roles you got there. Um, Just as someone who's very new to um, the field of codependency, would you mind giving us an overview of what it is, maybe some definitions of it? Of
2: course, yes. Um, so codependency is, is a very complex and contested concept. Um, I, I like to think about codependency as a chameleon concept, which takes many forms and it's very difficult to understand and to define. It's a concept that has been used over many years in mental health practice, um, and it's very popular as well in, in um, um, self-help literature, in psychological self-help literature. It, it's a concept that emerged in 1940 um, in the context of treatment for substance misuse, and it's a very resilient concept that has been around for a long time. And so it has developed over the years, capturing the views and opinions of different cultures, different um, uh, different treatment approaches, different models. And as a result, it has um, it has it, it the concept has a complex and interconnected range of definitions, and assumptions, and models, which. Uh, developed over many years.
1: Wow and is that why the term chameleon so there's very very much changing kind of blending throughout? Yes. Because it sounds like a quite yeah quite an old term. So yes like yes I mean
2: it's, it's, it's an evolving concept, it's an evolving construct and I I understand it as a chameleon concept because it has taken many forms over the years, fitting the needs of um, communities, treatment uh, for drug, for alcohol, for um, uh, different um, communities in, in healthcare practice. Um, and it, it is an evolving concept. Um, people have argued that the concept, the name, the term codependence, is outdated. And perhaps people, uh, we should come up with a new term for for, for this experience. Um, so over years, uh, people have identified themselves as codependents. They have identified um, codependency as a problem. What I also did find interesting mm-hmm. was the fact that I initially
0: thought codependency was only within the context of a romantic relationship. Mm -hmm. But just looking at some of the definitions and some of the literature out there, um, codependency can occur um, at
2: work, you know, with a boss, co-workers, friends, um, and family. But the reality is that um, there are many definitions... Um there are many models of codependency, there are many elements and many factors associated with codependency, but the the the, the, the overall conclusion is that the construct lacks a clear conceptualization, it's not very well defined, um it's not um, there's no universally used definition or diagnostic criteria for codependency and um, and because of that the the concept has attracted many uh, much criticism due to its lack of clarity um, and 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 diagnostic criteria thank you for that um I know that
0: you've looked into codependency and, and in particular, lived experiences Mm -hmm. for your PhD. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about your PhD work?
2: Yes. Um, So I came across this concept of codependency when I was working in addictions and um, in, in, um, in rehab centers, rehabilitation centers for addiction. And I saw the concept being used there very widely uh, by health professionals in practice. And as a, a clinician working in, in the field of addictions, I felt the need to have, um, to, to, to understand what the concept was about so that I could recommend uh, treatment, I could recommend strategies for my clients, for my, my patients. And and that's when I came across with the concept, and I started researching it. So it was before I I started my PhD that I started reading about codependency. I started um, exploring, investigating it to create to create uh, an evidence uh, base for my practice in, in 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 substance misuse as as a clinician. Um, it was at that time that I started to realize that actually. Codependency wasn't very well defined and there wasn't a diagnostic criteria for codependency and people were using it, but there were no agreed definition or or, or diagnosis or even treatment approach for codependency. Um, I then uh, decided to do um, a, a master's in, in psychology, and um, that was back many years ago. And if and I started then to research codependency as part of my um, my MSc in psychology. And the, the, my, my research for my, my MSc formed the base for my PhD. So basically, when I did my MSc, I did the, uh, a review of the literature that had been published at the time. And later on, I had an opportunity to, um, to do the PhD. I, I, I was offered a PhD studentship at Brunei University. So
0: Ingrid, uh, based on that review in your master's, what were you able to explore further during your PhD?
2: The the idea when I, I did my proposal for, for for the PhD was to um, to look for causes of codependency, the effects of codependency, so to, to perhaps come up with a model or a treatment approach for codependency. Um, half, halfway through my PhD as, you know, you're all PhD students and you, you understand how, how it is. When I, you know, I, I immersed myself in the literature of codependency, I read everything that had been published. I listened to all podcasts, I, uh, interviews, uh, read all the books. I, I then started to understand that I could not um, explore codependency as an objective concept. And so uh, I had an epistemological turn, a shift, and insta- instead of seeing it objective as something that can be categorised, that can be quantitatively analysed, I understood that the concept was uh, an evolving concept, a construct, and therefore it was too subjective uh, to be explored as something that was real, concrete, and objective, and I had to look at the lived experience. So, how is it that people experience the con the concept? So, I had to look at it in a more exploratory way, um, and therefore, um, I had a shift throughout halfway through the, the the PhD, changing from a quantitative exploration to a qualitative approach. And um, I sought to look at the lived experience and I I explored the lived experience. So I wanted to look at the the phenomenon. So I used phenomenology as it was experienced by people who identify with that concept, who so self-identified codependence. And this shift was, for me, phenomenal. Because I could then dive into the world of self-identified codependencies or codependents and gain from their experience, so get an insider's knowledge of how it is to feel and to be a codependent.
1: That sounds like such an important, um, yeah, as you said, not just methodological, but epistemological. Oh, i can 't never say that word if <laughs> uh, epistemological shift um to how you approach looking at codependency based on uh, applying those methods, what kind of themes emerged from from the um lived
2: experiences that you heard um, For me, it was a privilege to um, to be able to um, sort of um, go into the into the lives. So explore the life worlds of of people who um, identified themselves as codependents and, and to be able to have their um, their knowledge and and their their experience. Uh, so they were they shared their experience with 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 me, and I I had a number of things emerged from um, the, the the analysis. So I did interviews. So a number of interviews with them, um, uh, open-ended um, conversations, really, with them uh, over a period of three months. And through their interviews um, and the analysis of this data, I had, I had a lot of data because it will, um, I aimed for in-depth interviews and i also had a um, um uh, a visual method which which contributed greatly for 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 me to gather data to gather this in-depth data i asked the participants to bring a visual representation of their experience of codependency a symbol of their experience so they brought photographs images um sculptures paintings, and and through that um, image, uh, they talked about their experience in a more in-depth way. Uh, so, as I said, many themes emerged from the analysis of this data. So I had visual data, and I had also um, interview data. Um, and for me, the most important themes were, the, the, the first theme was that for um these participants um, identified codependency as a real problem in their lives, so for them, the construct the concept of codependency was a real thing, which was uh, a surprise for me. They had a very medical understanding of codependency, and that label codependency was very useful for them because it helped them to uh, find meaning. For a number of very distressful and difficult experiences in life situations that they were going through, so the the label codependency served as an explanation for a number of problems that they were facing. So it was a useful thing for them. Uh, so that was my first theme. The second theme was um, their sense of self or lack of their struggles uh, with their sense, their self-concept, the se- sense of who they were. Um, so they had, they, they reported to me that they felt like they, they were like chameleons. And they did not have a very clear sense of who they were, a very clear sense of self. They had a sense of self that was fragmented. They felt that they were all over the place. Um it, they did not have a very cohesive, concrete sense of who they were. And as chameleons, they were trying to adapt to different situations in their lives to gain a sense of self from these situations, from these experiences. And sometimes these these were relational experiences, sometimes they these were occupational experiences, you know, sometimes was um, uh, partners. Wives, husbands, girlfriends, boyfriends, but it was also sometimes to do with their work, their hobbies, and um, becoming overinvolved and overadapted with this experience. So the clear, uh, a lack of clear sense of self was a big theme. Another theme that was interesting was their engagement with life the way that they lived life. They, they felt that there was a lack of balance in their lives. Um, so they were um, caught in extremes. And, and, and some of them said to me, I feel like my life is like a seesaw. I'm up and down. I'm emotionally up and down. Or I am either doing too much, working too much, producing too much, or doing too little or doing nothing so it was like a you know an up and down situation so it's a lack of balance lack of equilibrium so and that that was um, manifested in different ways in their lives it was manifested emotionally it was manifested in their occupation in their occupational life and it was also manifested in their relational life um, and another thing that was very important as well was their childhood experiences, so they had all um, explored and investigated and looked at their childhood experiences and they saw patterns in their lives in their formative in their formative years, in their development which they associated with codependency, which they associated with the problems that they had in the here and now in their lives that they were living. So they so they all had experienced some difficult childhood uh, situations which they had then attributed to uh, their problems uh, which they identified as codependency. And the final thing which I... I I published a separate paper on that theme because it was such a uh, 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 unique theme that emerged from the, the interviews, um, from the data analysis, was their engagement with the support group for codependency and their experiences of attending the group, being part of the group, but also the role that that group had in their lives um and that was that was also a, an interesting thing that emerged from from the the research
0: thank you for that um just listening to you explain some of the themes that have emerged um were any of the participants um at that time dealing with substance um misuse mm-hmm. and with regards to some of the themes that have emerged had that contributed to them in terms of driving and being the motivating factor for them to use and continue to use a particular uh, substance? It's an excellent
2: question, and thank thanks for asking this, because, yes, what, what was very interesting in the data was the underlying experiences that these people had, these participants had, and, and how they came across codependency in their lives. Uh, and many of them came across codependency because of underlying mental health problems and also experiences with addictions. So, um, you know, we had a participant that came to to contact with codependency because she had been, uh, um, unfortunately, going through a very difficult uh, um, period of depression Um, and she was very suicidal. And she needed uh, psychiatric support. And, and through that journey in dealing and helping with her um, depression, she then identified that maybe what she had was uh, associated with also codependency. So she had identified some codependency factors in her life. Another participant, for example, had experiences with uh, addiction to pornography And then again, that was an issue that led um, this participant to um, come in contact with codependency and explore factors associated with codependence in in their lives. Um, Another participant had issues with drugs and alcohol abuse. And this participant, um, through trying to resolve issues with addictions in her life, she came across she she realized that actually the underlying issue was codependency and and she talks beautifully in the interview she talks about codependency as being the mothership of all addiction uh so the underlying problem the foundation of all addiction, which for me makes a lot of sense because um a lot of problems um if you look at um some some research qualitative research that has been done around the field of addictions. You see that a lot of the underlying problems associated with addictions are related to identity or lack of identity or sense of identity or or getting or attempting to get a sense of ad- identity from drug use from the drug world from alcohol from contact with substances and um, and this is something that came up uh, from my data came, came uh, um, it, that my my, my research uh, identified very clearly that identity was a major issue for these people as well. So it is possible that there is something to do with identity or lack of identity or this sense of self and self concept.
0: Can I just ask, I know that mm-hmm. you 've got some experience um, working in Brazil but also West mm-hmm. Africa with regards to like codependency and substance misuse. Are there any like cultural differences in how individuals talk about their experiences of codependency uh, so no
2: uh i and this is what is surprising me and and one of the my the recommendations that i made um in uh, uh, that came you know came as a result of my research is that i think we need more research in in other countries and in other cultures as well Uh, uh, There are many studies already coming from um, other countries. For for example, we have studies in codependency coming from Asia, from Africa, from South America, from North America, from Europe. Um, But we need more. And, you know, if you look at what this research uh, is showing, what the studies are showing is that there are some very common um, characteristics there that are across uh, cross cultural, but I think this needs to be investigated further. For example, uh, in 2005, a group of Australian um, researchers did a systematic review of uh, the definitions of codependency that they had um, they, that had been published in, in peer-reviewed uh, papers up to that date. And, and they identified um, that there were some very common uh, factors across so um that were uh, constantly mentioned in the literature of codependency so one of them was uh, this tendency to be outward focused so externally focused rather than focusing on yourself your life your so which is associated i think with this lack of sense of self um, the other the other factor that they They came across um that was um across um, commonly talked about in 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 the definitions of codependency was uh, the tendency to suppress emotions or not you know not come in contact with your emotions or so emotional suppression, which is again something that my my participants talked about in their in in, in my research you know lack of contact lack of understanding of emotions um another one is self self-sacrifice, self-sacrifice so you're doing too much you're doing too much for other people to a point where you're not doing enough for yourself you're not looking after yourself again something that my participants talked about you know I'm always doing too much I'm always putting other people ahead of me I'm always looking for the needs of other people above my own needs um and another another uh, factor they this um, group of researchers identified was emotion, um interpersonal conflict or interpersonal control, uh, which again another interesting uh, aspect that came uh, as a result of my research as well. You know this relational instability and re- relational um, problems uh, that that people have. Um, so you know but but again, these are very common uh underlying issues that you see in in many other problems you know you see people with depression you know presenting problems like this, you see people with um anxiety disorders um you know showing problems like this so I think what is and and that's why I like to to, to say that. Codependency is a chameleon concept because I think it, it's a concept that encompasses everything and encompasses some very core issues that we have, that people have, which are then uh, which form, you know, um, which form the basis of, you know, some some difficulties that they have in life. So rather than thinking about treating codependency, what about looking at treating those underlying? Issues, those those uh, those problems, which seem to be underlying issues for many others, many other problems as well.
1: Ingrid, you mentioned um, kind of potential changes in approaches to treatment. There, what would you say the implications of your findings from from your research and your PhD work have been? And would you say it's impacted at all
2: um, on your clinical work? Yes, I mean, first of all, my my PhD. Uh, I, I'm, I'm sure you 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 will find that with your PhDs and your your studies as well. Before it changes clinical practice, it changes me. It changed me. You know, it made me a different person because it made me more understanding of 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 others, of other people's experiences. It 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 um, and it and it changed my practice very much. Um I think what what I, one of the recommendations of my research is that rather than using the label codependency and rather than um categorize people into um traditional diagnostic criteria um instead of doing that, what about if we look at the person? and their uniqueness and their needs as they are and, tr- and treat the individual, you know, um, and also how important it is and how therapeutic it is to have a, a, a safe therapeutic, a secure therapeutic um, situation where people can find themselves safe to talk about their experiences, to feel understood, to feel validated by their unique experiences rather than being labeled as, you know, you're a drug addict or you are a codependent or, but actually how beautiful and how important it is to have a safe and secure therapeutic relationship with that patient and to offer a therapeutic Um, situation context where they feel um, that they are contained that they are safe and that they are validated as an unique person
0: that's such an important point to make um, tailoring treatment for the individual and seeing them as a unique person so they're able to get the most out of the treatment that they're receiving at that time Um, so we're just going to ask you a couple of more questions Mm -hmm. Um, Just off the back of what implication that has on your clinical work, Um, are you currently doing any additional research um, specifically within addiction and codependency? And I know that you've also got a book um, coming out soon. Um, What are we to expect from your
2: book? So... The, the the answer to your first question is if I'm doing any any more research in the field of addictions or codependency is, is no, and that's my advice to you if you are thinking about doing a, a a PhD research, choose your topic well. I mean, I started my you know as 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 I said you know I've I've been a clinician for thirty years and I started researching codependency probably as you know first years of my clinical practice, um, and I'm still um, if I could say stuck <laughs> with the concept and I think I will be for many many more years to come um, so I don't intend to 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 do any more research in codependency and I really welcome uh, people who you know for you know other researchers who are doing that and 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 um it's good you know knowledge is growing and developing and changing all the time and that's what we need um i i'm looking at other other topics and other other um problems to explore and to investigate um and my focus but my focus at the moment is on finishing this book uh it is you know it's almost done um i am on the third draft now so it's been uh reviewed a few times um and and, sh- and will be published very soon um and the idea is just really to um so people have you know people have asked me ingrid are you going to write a book about codependency and my answer has always been no i have written a 400 Page thesis on codependency, a hundred thousand, a hundred and twenty thousand words on codependence, I have written papers on codependency. I, I, I don't, I don't think so. I'm not going to write a book about codependency. But people have been saying to me, people have been asking, but you need to to write something that people can read. You know, um, a, a PhD thesis, uh, scientific papers are great, but it, you know. That language is not for everybody. You needed to make it accessible to everyone, to every, every, everybody. So the idea, really, what I'm doing at the moment, is to condensing 30 years of clinical practice and, um, you know, um, one hundred and twenty thousand words that I wrote on codependency into a book that is readable you know manageable for people to to read and understand and um to you know f- for them to find some answers and solutions as well for s- some of the issues and and struggles that they are facing in their lives
1: that doesn't sound like an easy task at all getting <laughs> it from down from one hundred twenty thousand to to kind of book format um you you mentioned something there about Um, you know the process of picking your PhD topic and and knowing you're going to be with it for a while Um, one of the focuses of this podcast is on kind of drawing out tips from people's experiences of working in research and of doing PhDs do you have any top tips for for sharing with our listeners about undertaking research and undertaking a PhD well
2: I, I mean what I can say to you is what I say to my students my PhD students is that Enjoy it. Um, This is a very unique opportunity that you will have. A very special time in your lives that's not going to come back, you know. Um, It's a time in your life, it's a bracket, it's a window in your life that you have an opportunity to read and to sit with a topic that you love, that you like. Um, it's a, it's a time that's been given to you. It's a gift to you to be able to stay with it and study and read and think. It's a thinking time. It 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 it's a time. It's a difficult time because it changes you. It's an you know it it's a time that's full of anxiety as well because of all the demands that a PhD has upon us. But it is a very precious time, and you know when you finish it, you will look back. And you will miss you will miss this you will miss this time, you will miss this opportunity that you had. I don't think you know I, I don't think we value it enough. You know, when I look in hindsight, I look back my PhD years, I'm so grateful, so grateful for having ha- had that opportunity uh, for having had, having had that that space in my life to sit and, and think about my topic and, and for science to have given me the opportunity to do that and then contribute to science, even if it's a little bit, you know, like I'm doing here today, you know, a tiny little bit, but contribute to knowledge and to science and, and help other people in their own journeys. It's a privilege. So think about your, your, PhD, your PhD journey as a gift and enjoy it. As much as you can. That's my recommendation to you.
0: Thank you, Ingrid. It was a privilege for us to actually have you on our podcast. Um, that's it for us today. We hoped you enjoyed listening to this episode. Once again, thank you, Dr. Bacon, for joining us and having this interesting discussion looking at your work around codependency and your PhD experience. And lastly, thank you to our listeners for tuning in and we will see you for the next episode, which will be aired in two weeks. Please retweet And subscribe to the podcast to make sure you do not miss anything. Thank you.